Let's turn in our Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 24. We're going to break into the reading. It's a long chapter, 67 verses. We're going to break in at verse 50. Twenty four, verse fifty. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife. As the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment, and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. They did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning. And he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, <coughs> at least ten. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Amen. We know that God is stamped with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Genesis chapter 24 and the verse 58. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Now my subject tonight is facing an urgent call to salvation. You see, this was a question put to a young girl by the name of Rebecca. 
This question came from the lips of her parents. This question came about because an old man by the name of Abraham wanted a bride for his son Isaac. Now at this point, Isaac is about 40 years old. And we say to young people who are 18 and 19 and think, well, I haven't got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, don't despair. Isaac was 40 whenever he was introduced to Rebekah. What had happened is that old Abraham, before he would die, took his most trusted servant and he told him to go far, far away into the land of Mesopotamia. He said to the servant, don't take a bride for my son from among the heathen all around us. Go back to the land where I come from. Go, go back to Haran and seek to find a wife for my son there. Now, the first thing that the servant did, I believe very wisely, was prayed about this task. He committed the matter to the Lord. And he asked God to lead and to guide and to rule and to overrule and to undertake for him in this most difficult of uh, task that he was set. And in his prayer, he said to the Lord that the first girl who comes out to draw water with her water pot at a well, let that girl say, drink thou, and I will draw water for thy camels. He said to the Lord, let that be the woman whom the Lord has appointed uh, out for my master's son. Now, shortly after he had done speaking to the Lord in prayer, this girl, Rebecca, came forth. And she said exactly that to the servant, drink thou, and I will draw water for thy camels. They get into a conversation. The servant asked her her name. He ended up giving her some earrings and bracelets. He was brought into the girl's house. Later the story was rehearsed to her father and her brother and her mother. Uh, Certain gifts were exchanged. Uh, And then um, a further discussion ensued uh, about uh, a delay not going immediately. In fact, if you look at verse 45, and her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days. Um, Some are in difficulty of what that means. Uh, Hebrew could mean a full year, at least 10. Um, Some think it's a reference to 10 months. But regardless of the period, uh, there is a time span of delay involved. After that, she shall go. The servant said in verse 56, um, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. So Rebekah was called, and then this question was put to her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said by way of answer, I will go. Now, the Bible, of course, is full of interesting questions. Every question is equally important. Many of these questions tie into one's attitude and mindset towards God's salvation. For example, Hebrews 2 and 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Matthew 27, what shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? Or in the book of Jeremiah, how shall we do in the swelling of Jordan? Meaning, how will you do or fare in the day of one's death? Uh, Keep the context in mind. God the Father here has been represented by Abraham. He's sending forth his servant into the world. And the servant is seeking a bride 
for his son, Jesus Christ. Now that bride, of course, I believe, is found through the preaching of the gospel. The Bible says it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And, of course, preachers that are preaching the gospel use many pressing questions that are found in the scriptures, seek to apply them, and ask those questions to individuals. And I leave out the question tonight, facing an urgent call to salvation, thinking of Jesus Christ, Wilt thou go with us, ma? Remember Rebecca's response, I will go. And we have a right to ask tonight, are you in the meeting born again of God's Spirit? Are you genuinely saved? Do you know Christ as Lord and Saviour? Have you been savingly joined to him? Can you look back to that time and say, I, I, I was there when it happened. I, I ought to know. I decided for Christ. There, there's three things I thought about this question this evening. The challenging dilemma that Rebecca faced. Wilt thou go with this man? You see, that was a challenge to Rebecca. And there's four things involved in that challenge. There was a focus involved. Wilt thou go with this man? Now remember, the man's a stranger to Rebecca. Rebecca has not met Isaac, yet she was asked to go and join herself to him to be his wife for the rest of her life. And isn't it true tonight that to many in Northern Ireland, Jesus Christ is just a stranger? Yes, it's true, he's Lord, Redeemer, he's a friend, he's Stick closer than a brother, a friend that's there in time of need. Uh, He's called in the Bible uh, an elder brother. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley. We can say, this is my beloved and this is my friend. He's the bright, the morning star, the Lamb of God, the heavenly bridegroom. And there's many other titles whereby he's known. But even though he's known by all these titles, to you, he is just a stranger. You know about him. But you don't know him because you've never been introduced to him. You've never been joined to him. If I think tonight of our queen, Queen Elizabeth II, we could say she's a lovely lady. We could say she's doing a fine job representing the country at official functions. We could say that she carries out her duties to the best of her ability. And she has served faithfully under God. But but I don't know her. I've never met her. I've never been introduced to her. We could say the same of Jesus Christ tonight. We know lots of facts about him. We know about his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. But we don't know him intimately. We've never been introduced to him. We're not in a saving relationship with him. We're we're not intimately acquainted with him. The servant spoke to her about his master. In the context, which we didn't read, he spoke about the master's greatness and the master's graciousness and presented the master's gifts to him. But still with all, she only had heard things about him But she didn't know him. 
There's a focusing involved. This man. Notice also there's a faith involved. You see, the gospel always brings a challenge. And the gospel calls for an acting in faith. Even though Rebecca did not know him yet, and even though Rebecca would view him as a stranger, there was a challenge to step out and go. Wilt thou go? What was involved? She had to leave her family and go to the place where the man was. And that was her acting in faith. And what is faith? Forsaking all, I take him. And it ties into the word believing. John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the word believeth is in the present continuous tense. I have believed. I am believing. I will continue to believe. Do you know I've never met a true Christian yet who's regretted ever getting saved and trusting Christ as his Lord and Saviour. We could sing about happy day, couldn't we? The day that we came to know him. The day we embraced him. The day we saw him. Surely we have no regrets tonight that we got saved. Isn't he a wonderful saviour? Isn't he the best friend ever? Couldn't we say of Christ, he's the most reliable and faithful brother? I was sharing with the Wade family the other night some truths about that hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, written, of course, by Joseph Scriven. Joseph Scriven was uh, born and reared in St. Patrick outside Banbridge. Remember, he was engaged to be married to a certain woman, and uh, his fiancée uh, was out riding in a horse. She was thrown off the horse, and she was killed. The wedding didn't take place. You can imagine his heartbreak. He emigrated to Canada. He went to a place called Port Hope, where the Reverend Reggie Cranston is, 40, 50 miles uh, outside Canada. He found love again there. He met a girl, and they had got engaged and set a date for a wedding. Um, this girl loved the Lord but she said that she hadn't been baptised and they went I'm led to believe to a lake called Lake Rice and she was baptised there and out of that simple event she took pneumonia the waters there would be very cold she never recovered she died a week later and he sent a letter home to his mother and it contained some words of poetry. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. Isn't he a man of sorrows and acquainted with our grief? Isn't he a true and faithful friend in time of need? He's the friend, remember, with the nail-pierced hands. And not only is there a focusing involved, but there's a faith involved. I have got to go to him. I have got to step out. There's also a forsaking involved. Rebecca was asked to forsake her loved ones, 
and their land to go with the servant to meet Isaac. And of course, to come to the greater Isaac, there's a cost involved. Everyone has faced the challenge of giving up their sinful ways, turning from their sinful lifestyle, certainly giving all hope of getting to heaven by themselves. There's a story told about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody from Chicago. He said to a congregation that was assembled there, at the end of a service, I want you to go home, hundreds of people. I want you to think about the gospel, what it said. I want you to go home and pray and then make up your mind and come back next Sunday night and make a decision for Christ. And you know, for many, that was a very costly, costly mistake. I'm not asking you tonight to go home and think about God's salvation. Because you know why? There's nothing more urgent. And even though it's urgent, there's a cost involved of leaving your old ways, your sinful lifestyle, and coming to Christ. I can remember when I got saved at the age of 18, I didn't have to give up my old friends. They gave me up. And I discovered in the church I had better friends in God's people. As we said this morning, you know, it costs nothing to become a Christian because the price is paid in full, the, the death and bloodshedding of Jesus Christ. But it costs everything to be a true Christian. Also think of this. It'll cost you a lot more not to be a Christian. Think of what you would lose. Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot be. And if you don't know your sins forgiven and have peace with God and know that you're genuinely and truly saved and in a moment you're taken from this scene of time. As Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's also a family involved here. You see, what really struck me this week was the question that was put to Rebecca by a brother and a mother. Isn't that what it says in verse 58? And they called Rebecca, that's her brother and her mother, and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And do you know tonight, folks, that in this land of Northern Ireland, there's mothers and they cry themselves to sleep because their family is not saved and without Christ. And there's fathers troubled in their mind about their sons and their daughters who are far away from the Saviour. And there's even sons and daughters pleading with family members and loved ones, let it be mum or dad, to repent and receive Christ as Lord and Saviour. You know, we're concerned as ministers of the church for many young people growing up amongst us. See, we have young people now growing up in our Sunday schools, coming through our Bible classes, attending our young fellowship meetings, attending our regular services in the Lord's Day. And they sit amongst us and have this mindset that when they're old enough, they want to get away from God and the things of God. 
And they want to turn their back on Christ and the gospel and do their own thing and go their own way and live their own lives completely independent of God. And they're 16 and they're 17 and they're 18 and they're 20 year olds and 21 year olds. And despite the prayers of mummy and daddy, despite the pleadings of faithful servants of God, despite God's providence in their life in giving them the privilege of hearing the gospel, they have this determined spirit to go their own way and do their own thing in life independent of God. There's a family involved. There's a family burden to press the question, wilt thou go with this man? Let me illustrate tonight. I I think of a widow that I've read about. Her husband died. She had only one boy. Do you know she prayed for him every night from he was a child that he would get saved and become a servant of God. As I've said about some of our young people, This young man like them couldn't wait till he became of age. And whenever he was 16, he packed his bags. He headed out to the big world of sin. He kissed his mother in the garden gate goodbye. And he says, Mum, maybe someday we'll meet again. And she said to him, Son, as he stepped out the gate, Son, I want you to remember this. Stop. When you've gone as far as the world takes you, wherever that is. And when you're in deep in sin, as sin drags you into. And when sin has cost you more than you ever thought about paying. You remember my prayers for you. And you know one time this young man was sitting in a hotel room. Dungy, desolate place in Chicago. He had a weekend of sinning. The smell of booze was on his breath. And he thought he was going to end it all. He opened up a drawer. He brought out a gun. This is a true story. He put the gun to his head. He was about to pull the trigger and blow his brains out into the side of the wall. But in a flash, do you know what? He saw the figure of his mother kneeling at his bedside when he was a child. Praying, oh God, save my boy. And out of the blue, he remembered his mother's prayers. And not only did he a picture of her praying, but remembered his, his words. When you have gone as far as the world takes you. And when you're in deepest sin as sin drags you. And when you've, it has cost you far more than you want to pay. Remember you have a praying mother. And you know what he did? He dropped to his knees. And that man in his 40s received a great pardon from God. And he became a great preacher in the United States. Among the Southern Baptists. And he was a great Son to his mother, even in her dying days. Maybe you're a prodigal like that. Maybe you're a young person growing up and you're really in your heart despising what God has given you. The privilege of a family that knows and loves God. You're determined with a spirit of independence to, to turn your back and go your own way. I want to tell you, there's a family involved. 
remember that. Notice secondly, and we'll have to be quick, not only the challenging dilemma Rebecca faced, but the challenging delay that Rebecca faced. Look at verse 55. And her brother and her mother said, Take the damsel, abide with us a few days. That could mean a full year. It could mean ten months. You've got at least ten. After that she shall go. You see, here's a problem that Rebecca faced. A problem of putting it off till another time. Isn't there always a problem with procrastination? Alexander Smiley said there was two great enemies for the soul. There was yesterday. It slays its thousands. Yesterday tells you it's, you're too bad. It's too late for you to get saved. God has nothing more to say to you. God has left you. You've sinned away the day of grace. And that, that's a dilemma that many face. And then there's tomorrow. He went on to say, well, it has slain its tens of thousands. You see, I'll think about it. Tomorrow. I mean to believe someday, preacher. I'll receive the Saviour another time. Whenever I've cleaned up my life and conquered my sins and my fears, I'll get right with God then. See, that's tomorrow. And day after day, there's a spirit of procrastination and putting it off. You know, the Reverend John Mara told me a story recently that was heartbreaking. He said he came to visit this home in his church down there in Oma. And uh, the mother and father were out, but one of the sons was in. They didn't come to church. This couple had got saved late in life, and he had a teenage family. And one of the sons invited him in. They had a chat, and he said, Do you ever think about God and the gospel? No, never entertains my head. Never, ever think about God or the gospel. Well, Reverend Morrow told him a little bit about how he got converted. He became a preacher and pressed home the gospel message to this young man. And he said to him, leaving, Look, I would love you to come and hear me preach on Sunday night. Will you make me a promise that you'll come? The young man said, No, I won't. He says, Please, I would love you to come. Now, he says, Look, son, I'm not always as pushy. Forgive me. But he says, I want you to come on Sunday night to hear the gospel preached. Will, will you promise me you'll come? And the young man said, I'll not make any promises. That was a Tuesday. On the Friday of that week, in the early hours of the morning, we're talking maybe about half nine or ten o'clock, there was an awful thump at the man's door. Reverend Mara was home, he answered it, and it was this boy's father, <coughs> and he was standing weeping. Reverend Mara couldn't make sense of what he was saying, but he was weeping. And in his weeping, he says, they've killed my son. They've killed my son. That was all he could say. And it transpired that his son, who was driving a digger in a certain location, in a certain place, terrorists came and shot him through the door of the digger. And he was blasted out into eternity. Do you know what the Bible tells us? Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Again it says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You see, 
The servant made a plea for promptness. He said, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. And I will say to you tonight, if you're out of Christ, you're a stranger to you, and you've got to accept this challenge, focusing on him, faith in him, a forsaking of a cause for him, thinking of your family, let nobody hinder you in coming to Christ. Let nothing hinder you. People will try and stop you. But let nothing hinder you in coming to Christ. There's death and danger in delay. Notice one final thing. Not only the challenging dilemma, and the challenging delay, but the challenging decision Rebecca faced. Wilt thou go with this man? You see, that was an important question for Rebecca. Most important. She was a young girl. And she was being invited to become a bride for her master's son, Isaac. And you know, there's no more important question that you could deal with in answering, are you part of the bride of Christ? There's many other important things in our lives. Health and wealth and all the rest of it. Job security and so many things. But surely this is the most important even over and above having a partner for life, and that's a wonderful blessing, and this is a love story, and we could, we, there's many practical lessons that we could apply in that way. But this is the most important. This is number one, young people. Aye, and it's an individual question. Notice, will thou go? Will Rebecca go? See, nobody can answer for you. Nobody could decide. The mother, the brother, didn't say, well, we'll make the decision for you, Rebecca. Probably if it was left to them, she would never have been allowed to go. She had to answer for herself. You have to answer for yourself now, because you will also answer for yourself before God. Doesn't the Bible say, so then every one of them, us shall give an account of himself to God. And you know, this is a, an inescapable question. She had to make a decision. Yes or no. And what did she say? I will go. Will you say that tonight? I will go to Christ. Sometimes we sing in our youth fellowship meeting or children's meeting, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Uh, the uh, world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Will you, you make a decision for Christ tonight? It is inescapable. You can't avoid it. You have to make a decision. It's yea or nay. The Bible says, my spirit shall not always Strive with man. And I ask this in closing. What if God required your soul tonight? Remember the story of the rich man? He said to his soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years to come. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. Jesus said, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. You know, I have to confess on Friday morning, even though I'd planned to go to see Ted in the hospital, having just heard that he was in, I was in a state of shock. I couldn't believe that Ted Wade had passed away into God's 
great eternity. And it just brought home to me the bravery of life. It brought home to me the urgency of pressing the question about God's salvation. Where will you be one second after you die? Will it be in heaven with Jesus Christ because of your Lord and Saviour? There's a time you trusted him. Or will it be in hell for all eternity to suffer torment in a place of outer darkness, playing where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, all because you refused Christ? Remember what he said three times in John chapter 8. If you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot be. Don't die in your sins. Isn't it lovely to die in the arms of the Saviour? And let him carry you home to glory. There's a dilemma. There's a delay. There's a decision. What's your decision for Christ?